Welcome to episode 152 of Together BHA. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm still coughing, uh, so hopefully I won't be by the time I speak to you on Saturday. Uh, but uh, I am here joined with Craig and Adam, as always, uh, for a late night review of the Albion West Ham game. Um, already heard how you're doing, so that's good. Um, so let's get straight down into it. Uh, midweek game, everything going on. Uh, we made only a couple of changes. I saw a couple of managers making loads of changes, but not us. Uh, we just dropped Tarek Lamptey to the bench, uh, and we also started in uh, Adam Lalana as well. So we took out uh, Gross and Lamptey and brought in Lalana and Sarmiento. That's the one. Yeah, I'm struggling yeah. to remember because of well, what he happened. He only played about now. five minutes. Yeah. yeah, that's why I was like, I was like, who was it? But yeah, the poor fella didn't get much game time. Um, obviously, hindsight 2020, given that we've just talked about that. Uh, how did we feel about the lineup? Myself, I was pretty excited by it. Flat back four. Uh, I know, Adam, you've been on record a couple of times saying you really prefer that at times. Um, and I was here for it, especially with the fact that it gave Sarmiento a chance to to get in the game. Um, and and it, it shows, to me, it shows Potter still willing to just keep doing things differently and seeing what works and what doesn't. Um, and, and he's willing to play these young players when managers prior to him weren't. Yeah, I, I mean, it was, it's nice to mix things up. You know, we, we're going into a schedule of seven games in however many days. So I think we can go on record and say we need to manage minutes with, with some of these players. But I, I was excited to see what Sarmiento could do. Um, no pressure. I think we said a few days ago, you know, introducing these players with little to no pressure, making sure that, you know, they can influence the game in the way that they want to, as opposed to work in a regimented style and sort of have everyone on their backs from the start. So it was it was exciting to see. It was a shame we didn't get more than 11 minutes of it. Uh, and with Lalana coming in for Gross as well, uh, well, we'll talk about Lalana and where he was positioned, but um, it was exciting to see. Uh, like I said, just a shame it lasted 10 minutes. Firstly, I want to get some excitement out because that was a fucking great goal. Excuse my language. Uh, yeah, it, like, Thank you. Like Mope is the master of scoring very important last minute equalizers. That's his thing now. That's what he Especially is. in London. He just has this knack <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh so I look, I'm I'm feeling good. This would have been a very different feeling. Um this is another one of those, like with Palace, right? We it felt like a felt like a win um to get that draw, especially with with how challenging goals have been to come by. Line up if you're going to play four at the back and you're going to drop Lamptey for fitness, then yeah, let's go ahead and do what we did. I was when I saw the lineup, I was I was pretty happy with it in terms of who we can actually play because when you look at the subs bench, you you think to yourself, who would I switch in outside of Lamptey? And if we're going to rest him, I don't really want anyone else starting. Um, and like you say, I, I, I like this this four at the back that allows us when Mope plays to then still play that sort of other two either side of him pushed a little bit further up. So we're not quite so obsessively reliant on those wing backs. So yeah, good for me. Yeah. And, and I think for me, I think the, the palace comparisons in terms of the Mope thing is ex- like, obviously just perfect. It really was just at a goal out of nothing as well. Um, and I think it does feel like a win, as you said, 
But at the same time, I think it was a very different game to Palace in the fact that we just looked superb in large stretches of today. Um, I don't know how much of that was to do with going 1-0 down so early, but we actually started so quickly out of the traps that maybe it wasn't to do with that and it was just the way we were playing. Um, I think it was about 90 seconds to two minutes on the clock uh, where Mope had that first opportunity that... (coughs) uh, for me, I think you should at least hit the target, but it was also under his feet and a little bit tough. So early on, we had a great chance. We go up the other end, concede a corner, and immediately concede from the set piece. Uh, so check on the front post. I'm not sure who was in charge of marking him because no one had him. Um, set pieces and counter attacks seem to be our big kryptonite dual kryptonite what what is going on here i heard the commentators today i don't know if you two heard it that we were marking zonally and if that's true and and looking at it like i can understand what they're saying but in the past i know for a fact that we haven't because i remember seeing us you know marking specific people very correctly what, what's what is going on what how on earth was subject so open <laughs> How on earth did they create another two or three like really dangerous areas from set pieces? And just what on earth was Rob Sanchez doing? This is this is a keeper that I thought had one of his best games for us last week uh, in terms of confidence and looking cool and comfortable and just so easy going. And today he looked like an absolute nightmare at the back for a large amount of time he was asked to get the ball on. You know, in, in set pieces, at corners. It, he was like, Jekyll and Hyde, wasn't he, really? Yeah. Like, he was so bad for a, a large chunk of the game and then pulled out about three incredible saves to, to, to keep us in the game. Um, maybe that's who he is. Maybe that's that's what he does. He looks so unassured coming out. There's always a panic. But if you want someone to stop a shot who's 17 feet tall, he's your guy. Um, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's starting to feel a little bit worrying that maybe we've now just got a a taller version of our favorite Aussie keeper, right? Maybe not too assured coming out, but great at shot stopping. Hopefully he, he figures that out. I don't think we're Merkin's owner. I think Dunk messed up. I think Dunk lost his marker. Um, because if not, it was Sarmiento who was the, who was the nearest next to him and, I don't know whether there's that many bigger mismatches that you can think of as Jeremy Sarmiento marking uh, Sue Fowl or whoever it was, Sue Check. Um, I literally I wrote in my notes what happened to us with set pieces because it's not just the defensive side of it. There's in the fact that it, we mentioned this previous couple of episodes. What are we doing on when actually sort of attacking them? And and Dunk did have that really good chance of 40 minutes where his head he just gracefully came up. Like it's this kind of creature coming out of a lake and then just shanked it wide. <laughs> it's just, I, I, I don't know what's happening. I, I'm, I'm wondering, I'd be interested in what your thoughts are on this, Craig, whether the chipping and changing of people bringing Duffy out of the lineup and Bernie being injured and then coming back and then we've got Webster coming out and it, whether it's, conf- it's confusing at all for the players to have their man, man to man marked at, at different set pieces. Yeah. And if it is, that shouldn't be happening full stop. I mean, with the amount of training these guys do and the amount that they talk and discuss, you know, 
I think you're right. I think that was that was Dunk's fault there. Um, if it is Sarmiento that's been tasked with being on Thomas Suchek, then I think everyone needs to have a word with themselves. Um, it looked like zonal marking because you could tell they were going to put that corner under the crossbar as close as they possibly could. And everyone is standing there making it as difficult as they possibly can. I don't think it was zonal marking. I think just there were 18 people on that six yard line. Um, and, and that's really what happened. Uh, it's a mistake, you know, uh, but the, the set piece thing still remains. It was positive to see today that Dunk got his head on two of them. Uh, one in the first, one in the second, both should have done much better with them. And he has done better with them in the past. Yeah. But uh, you know, you do have Shane Duffy coming on. I don't know whether it's Shane Duffy that gives that edge in those set pieces because ever since he's sort of been pulled out, we don't really have that threat anymore. Um, and maybe the focus from an opposition's perspective is let's stop Shane Duffy because he's so good in the air and he's big that allows that Lewis Dunk to then filter through. And normally that's Dan Byrne as well. Uh, we saw yeah. that last year where everyone's so focused on the six foot seven guy that Lewis Dunk strolls in and, and heads it into the corner. And jokes on them. We know Byrne can't do actually do anything with his head anyway. So. It's a masterclass, isn't it? It's a trickery. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a real magician's touch. So, yeah, I'm still struggling to see where the attacking side of our corners are falling down, but it was good to see that we got our head on a couple today, albeit with some very shanky corners as well that didn't even give us a chance. Yeah, and I think half, half of the battle is actually getting it into an area that we can actually attack it. Um, but first goal, you know, five minutes in, it, it's a mistake. Sanchez, we talked about, I don't know where his head's up. Um Jekyll and Hyde, as we said, but um, we set the tone for the game anyway, despite the goal. And I think to, to what Josh said, I don't think the, the goal really stopped or hindered our plan at all. And I mean, testament to the team to just go about the game plan as as it was going to be, regardless of whether we went 1-0 down or not. Yeah. Um, and that first half, otherwise, with the chances that we had and the, the dunk header and the Moda chance that we're going to talk about, um, we could have easily been a couple of goals in at 45 minutes. Yeah, and and that's really where we're going with it, right? I, there was a couple of opportunities for West Ham as well. Um, Fornell's hitting the bar, uh, and I think there was another opportunity that I thought, oh, shit, they could have scored that quite easily. Um, I wonder how much the substitutions had to do with that. Again, having to continue, like change systems, change personnel, like it left us a little bit out of sorts, um, especially at the back. I for me, I th- I noticed immediately, like, all, and it almost was immediately, given the wherever we were in the stage of play. But it was almost immediately, as soon as the substitution was made, every single set piece from then on for for West Ham, I just saw the number twenty four on it. Like Shane Duffy was everywhere defensively at set pieces. Where what about around the forty seven minute mark, Josh? What about then? Which one? The one where uh, West Ham definitely scored but it was disallowed <laughs> well yes that's a <laughs> when Duffy did actually score an own goal but. yeah that was uh that was that was an odd one wasn't it um <laughs> just a bit uh, <laughs> not to tank your point I just, just uh, no I thought I still think he was superb um I thought I thought he was really good defensively at set pieces regardless yeah. uh, of that weird thing that happened um and the disallowed goal. 
they checked three things. Handball, offside, and a foul. For me, it looked pretty obvious from the first from the first thing that it wasn't a foul. Because the Lana was just stupid in the fact that like he he intentionally just went to be like this blockade. Uh the offside, I'm still struggling to understand how it was offside in any way. Like it almost I'm pretty sure Moda was on the goal line during the scramble. So I'm struggling to understand. Now, for me, I thought it was a handball. And almost every clip that they played, it looked like it hit his arm. And But they ruled that out really quickly. So so for you two, what was going through your heads? Because I, I, I did not understand at all. And the fact that it was ruled out, you know, we'll take it because I feel like we've been victimized by VAR once or twice this season. So it's nice to even the even the tables out. But at the same time, it's again just another it's just another exhibition of VAR not doing its job correctly. We're biased though, aren't we? I mean, yeah, great. Thanks, VAR. But that's what it felt like. It felt <laughs> like if we can get some random, stupid, like mundane decision to go our way based off of uh var finding fault at that great wonderful it just it was just messy like it was just a messy bit of goal mouth action um you know as alex has said in the comments been probably would have been slightly annoyed had it been against us yeah exactly it's just we'll take it but it probably should have been a goal yeah i the if the boot is on the other foot and that that goes for you rather than against you, you'll be aggrieved either way. It's one of those where it's like, okay, I I get it. It's still ridiculous because the whole thing of VAR is clear and obvious. And if you're going to spend three to three and a half minutes looking at four different angles of three different incidents, trying to find something to <laughs> to justify the amount of time you've spent looking at it, it, it doesn't make any sense from them because all of a sudden you have to give something because you've spent so long looking at it. And, well, and yeah, exactly. So it, it seems strange to me that you would spend that amount of time. I, it went for us today. I, and I completely get it. You, you win some, you lose some, but from a VAR perspective, if you're spending that long looking at it, it's not clear and obvious. And I think the original decision should stand. Uh, yeah. For or against, I think that's just a very partisan view of mine, but we got the rub of the green today. We sometimes we don't, and we go one nil, and we continue to play our game, and we continue to make chances without actually taking them, um, until someone decides to demonstrate a perfect overhead kick for us. Uh, I do want to add one quick thing: is because of this this disallowed goal obviously happened straight after half time, right? For the most part, even though we did have two really big chances just before they got that. Because that, that corner came from a counter-attack. Shocker, that never happens against us. <laughs> um, March had a chance that was deflected over. Dunk had another good header that was right at, right at uh, Fabianski. Um, at at halftime, we had 68% possession. One shot on target. I've seen this one before. We had two players that had, had to be subbed off for injuries. And we had three really big chances all completely squandered in the first half, right? That that Mope one right at the beginning. Um, we had the dunk header. And then there was Mope. a really good bit of play with Moda, yeah. 
and that was just i mean god how many times have we seen moda just not hit the target it's getting bad at this point um, i thought he played well today as well which was so unfortunate i thought he yeah. was much more i thought he was much more influential today than he was at really the was i thought he played really well and then still missed that chance but it but like, this is how low my bar is because I immediately wanted to just say, but at least he got it on target because you just mentioned, you know, four, five, six shots, whatever you said it was. That's the only one. And yeah. one of those was a, was a, was a donkey free header. The other one was, you know, it was a bit under his feet, but like, even if he had just P rolled it into Fabianski's hand, at least it's on target from Mope, but he couldn't do it. <laughs> it's just unreal. I just, hey. He has to do better with that. Uh, you and I, like a, you guys said, I thought he was good today. Uh, he played a lot more advanced than maybe we've seen him, uh, and we haven't really talked tactics yet in terms of what Basuma sitting, Lalana and Moda sort of interchanging in that area, allowing Trossard and Morpe to kind of just be in that final third whether it's out on the left or the right. You saw Morpe sort of drift to the left a couple of times as well, which is different i guess but you, you typically see trossard taking up those areas uh, i thought he was good today but a glaring miss that you should put away in that area he's hopefully he'll learn from that but it's what we said before as well right if, if he had that part to his game he might not be here he might have been snapped up by a, a, you know a bigger club um but also maybe we need to just be more comfortable in this, with what his capabilities are he might just be a really, really good box-to-box midfielder for us. Um, but th- then hopefully someone else can can put the ball in the back of the net, uh, ideally before this sort of 89th minute with an overhead kick. We know he can as well because he does it for Poland. Poland. So it's, re- it's really just having that translate however it has to happen. Um, but I also know another pretty good box-to-box midfielder that used to score loads for the Netherlands uh, and David Proper never became a big goal scorer for us. So... True. Well, and Poland have a uh, Poland have got a relatively decent forward, don't they? That plays up front for them. Yeah, I think he's all right. Pressure. Um, he's not bad, is he? N- not worth the Ballon d'Or, but he's all right. Not even don't, the twenty twenty one. Don't start. They did give him a plate, though. At least they gave him a plate. And Messi was mildly aggrieved. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It uh, the substitutions themselves. Um, Solly March on for Sarmiento. Webster on for Duffy. Uh, before half time with the injuries looked pretty much like for like obviously the Duffy Webster is obvious but it looked to me that they intended to just have Solly play the same role uh, as they wanted you did all right Solly and I yeah I agree with you mm-hmm. um, there was a couple of really nice deliveries actually he put the ball in a couple of times that were very nice um, second half that goal as you said and, and Alex has said in the chat I would have been slightly annoyed had it been against us couldn't agree more Um yeah, that enough said the better. Uh, and and once that goal didn't go in, it did seem to deflate them a little bit. I thought that we then turned it back on again and, and they really didn't offer much until we went down to 10 men. No. The substitution for Tarek Lamptey for Veltman seemed like the obvious one for me. If you wanted to go and chase the game, which you have to, um, the obvious choice there was to bring on this game changer in Tarek Lamptey. Uh, and to me, I thought, that it was a great, great sub. Um, obviously, it ended up being a perfect sub because he got the assist. But we we just asked Kukurella to sit back a little bit and just allowed Lamptey to push up on that right-hand side instead uh, and go wild with it. <coughs> 
There was a tactical change there as well, Josh. Like when Lamptey came on, I, I'm pretty sure we moved to the standard back three, two wing backs. So Lamptey pushed up on the right and we had March come over on the left, which was, it just mixed things up a little bit, which was good. Yeah, and, and Kukurea looked perfectly comfortable in that back three. He was, I mean, he was very out wide anyway, but he was, but we play with really wide center halves regardless. We can he put just, him anywhere. He looks comfortable everywhere, to be honest. Yeah, except shoot him first time on yeah, his left foot, that. even though he is left footed. <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, their substitutions didn't really make any difference at all. Uh, and we ended up going down to 10 men. Adam Lalana. Uh, did either of you two get any idea of what was going on there? I couldn't. Uh, at that point, I was on a work call, so I was listening to it on mute. Uh, what listening to it? I was watching it on mute. I wasn't listening to it. That's the problem. Um, so yeah, did do you either of you two have any idea what the conversation was around Adam Alana going off? Uh, the, the cameras cut away, didn't they? He sort of sort of pulled up a little bit. They panned away, and they're like, "Oh, Adam Lalana's gone down the tunnel." <laughs> oh, all right. It- it looked, it looked like a quad injury. It didn't, I mean, he was signaling to the top of his thigh. So, I mean, we, we can speculate all we want, but an injury to Lalana is always going to be a little bit disheartening, especially with his record. So let's just hope it's nothing serious, but we'll see. And and the the, the one thing that you could possibly say that's okay about this, and obviously I, I really, really think Lalana adds a lot to the team, but, uh, at least we do have some depth in his position because a, a gross can come in like we saw last week. Uh, you can have Wepu in there too. So it could be worse. Like if it was Mopay, God would be screwed. Um, and that would back to the false nine days. And yeah, really agree with Mikey. Like Solly, Solly has played really well for us uh, in, in the last few weeks. And he's a bit of a jack of all trades, isn't he? You can put him on either side. You can put him a little bit further up, a little bit, a little bit more back. Um, feels like he's a, a Seems a bit more impactful as a sub in some ways too. It changes the dynamic a little bit. He's a bit of a uh, football manager dream signing for a utility type player, isn't he? You just yeah. stick him somewhere whenever you need him, and he does a decent enough job. Um, and and yeah, like like Mikey said, he started right wing, then to the left when Lamptey came on, then went to the midfield when Lalana went off. He was he was comfortable doing whatever he was asked, and it's a player that. We've seen really come on in leaps and bounds under Potter. I think he's he's improved so much. Um, the goal itself, uh, ironically enough, came from Solly March getting dispossessed from a really shit pass, um, and it went it went back to uh, I think it was Duffy. Was it Duffy who played the ball through to Lamptey? I think that was Mo. Uh, it was um, Modu, wasn't it? Was it <coughs> either which way? It was a great pass over to Lamptey, um, and my initial thought was when he took that touch past the player and he hit it, I thought he'd scuff the cross until I saw actually like where it was going because it just looked like one of those ones where he just skies it or skews it or something. Um, one of those what happens next things that you used to see on Question of Sport, <laughs> how many of us thought that that's what Mope was going to do and that's where the ball was going to go at the end of it all? It just changes the whole conversation as well. You know, we're, we're talking... Oh, really good, but you know, down to ten men as well. You, you're kind of resigned to okay. Let's just keep it. <laughs> just try and get it as far away from Sanchez as we can. Who did make some very good saves towards the end, uh, but yeah, we 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 sat here and we're talking about Mope and how he doesn't score enough and he doesn't show himself enough. 
Um, and then he does that. And it's like, okay, we're back to loving Mope now. He's very much, again, a scapegoat for our lack of scoring when he clearly has it in him. But he can pull it out of the bag like that. And when you bring the Palace equaliser into equation as well, he is capable of doing these things. Should have had an assist as well today. He was the one who played that motor pass in. Great pass. He's, his his build-up play gets a little bit. Um, no, he doesn't get enough credit for that. He, he plays quite well with his back to goal and, and twists and turns and plays a ball in. Um, I don't know why he seems to specialise in squandering simple chances, quote unquote simple. Obviously, we'd all miss them, um, and then has the quality to just score the audacious ones. The Palace goal was not an easy one either. Um, it's like, mate, just slot it in the corner when you're one-on-one with the keeper for, for these other chances. And everyone would just say you're one of the top strikers in the league. Instead, you're this really polarizing player. Um, I think it, what, what was the other thing that really stood out to me was there was a period of time where we were completely all over them. And I want to say it was pretty much after that West Ham goal, like you said, goal, disallowed goal. Um, up until pretty much around 70 or so minutes because there was a really good chance Adam Lallana had as well and Adam Lallana's just forgotten how to shoot. Uh, it was unbelievable. And, and that was another one that was a, a fantastic pass by Solly March. Um, but the onus had pushed onto West Ham at this point. West Ham suddenly started to really come into the game. I felt around 75 minutes or so, we looked really, really tired. It looked like we'd given out our bit we tried it. We started from minute one, went a goal down, did everything we could to get back into the game. And it's like we petered out and this was going to end 1-0. And to then have that come up in the 89th minute when West Ham were all over you for the last 10 minutes, astounding. Yeah. And the idea that, you know, they were hopeful that that Lamptey would change the dynamic a little bit. Clearly that was a thing, like, you know, Potter could see that, they were probably already getting a bit on their last legs and we needed an outlet. Um, and he was, he's, I mean, he's an incredible outlet, um, especially when you're capable of finding him as often as, as we've become in this last week or two. Um, in terms of the build-up play, I totally agree with you both. Uh, Mope doesn't get enough credit for it. I'm starting to see it online. People being like, oh, yeah, he does a really good job in the build-up play. Um, Adam Lalana, man. I, I agree with you today. I thought he played well. He did he did things that again, you know, that pivot, he linked the, the, the defense to attack great. If you've if you're gonna be that kind of attacking midfielder though, you have to be able to at least put those efforts on target. And this is where my bar is so low because at least Jakob Moda did. But that one for me a, a player of his caliber should be hitting the target. If it's saved then I'm annoyed, but because I think he should be putting in a corner and scoring that. But to just put it wide, what what's going on with Adam Lallana's headspace? Because this is not the first time either. We've seen a couple of instances where we've had really good chances and Adam has just done something stupid. Um, and I, I just, I don't understand what it is because he's, he's seemingly one of the more willing to shoot players uh, and, and still can't, put them on target he's skying them he's putting them wide 
Lalana's not really been a goal scorer for quite a number of years at this point. Um, I'm looking back, he scored a total, and obviously he's been injured. It's just it's kind of his thing, isn't it? Scored two goals since the 2016-2017 season, in which he had his he scored eight goals for Liverpool during that season. But yes, yeah, since since the start of the 2017 season, Adam Lallana scored two goals in the Premier League. That's four years of your counting. It's just it's, this is gone of the days of when he was playing for Southampton, playing in that really advanced role and sort of had some of that more of that pace and, and skill. Um, I just think maybe it's just not him anymore. Again, it goes back to this point that we have is that we don't really want anyone that's not Neil Mopé or Leandro Trossard to actually take a shot. That's bad. Mm. I, I think, yeah, that we can't rely on Adam Lallana to put these away. Uh, what what he brings, what he brings to the middle of the park, and the I guess the job that he does there is is tremendous. But he also finds himself in these positions, and Mopé's smart run gave him the space for this as well. It's worth calling out that. Mope did have a very good game, but maybe, yeah, to, to your guys' point, he's, he's just not that player, not anymore. So it begs the question, why is he there then? Um, why is he playing in that role when really he could sit in and that could be Moda or that could be somebody else? Maybe his intelligence gets him there and he doesn't have the, the prowess to finish them off. Josh, I know you probably won't jump in, but I love what <laughs> it's a great name, but Dank Lama Tech has said in the chat. Really good job there. Um, because I was thinking the same thing as you're speaking. Because you sort of I want McAllister in those positions. I want McAllister taking those shots because we know he can do it. But the problem is when you go away to West Ham United, you can't put McAllister in the same role that Lalana plays to link up play. And, and kind of sit a little bit more back and sort of play that. I'm giving him too much credit here, but that sort of Pirlo role. Um, that's, the, McAllister can't do that. He doesn't have those defensive qualities that Lalana's started to gather once he's got a little bit more mature in his career. So it's like it, it's a bit of damned if you do, damned if you don't. You put McAllister in there, but then we'd probably be talking about the fact that, oh, it's really annoying that West Ham was carving our midfield apart because McAllister wasn't doing anything to stop it. You put Lalana in, he gets a chance on goal and just shanks it. Yeah, and I agree with you. Um, same for Dank Lamatek. I agree. I agree. And but this is the thing, right? And you see it from all the pundits and stuff, and the analysts. And most of the time, they talk utter not like nonsense. Clearly, they don't watch us more than once a season. But the one, the one perfect line that they try out every other week, which is so safe because it's so true, is that you need. It's all good blaming Neil Mope, but you need goals to come from elsewhere, and. I rate Moda, I rate Lalana, I rate Basuma, obviously. Um, I, I, I like McAllister, I like Gross a lot. I, I think Mwepu's showing some great stuff as well. One of them needs to be one of those players that chips in. And when you're playing three of them that don't, you've got you've to switch that up. You've got to have one that can out of those three. Um, and if you are at a point where, like you said, McAllister maybe can't do the defensive work as well or something like that. It's it's Graham's job and the recruitment team's job to make sure that we do get a balanced midfield of three that can do all of those things as well as they can. And there are, there are teams in the bottom six currently that have midfields that can do that. It's not something that's a prerequisite to be a top 10 team. 
you know, when you look at those bottom couple of sides, there are there are huge problems throughout them. Norwich defensively are just an embarrassment. Uh, Newcastle defensively an embarrassment. Burnley offensively an embarrassment. That small thing of just having one goal scoring midfielder that can chip in isn't an unusual thing. Most of those teams have one of those. They have way more deeper run problems that we're lucky enough not to have. So for me, that's not a huge ask. And I think that that's Graham and the, the recruitment team's job, whether they expect Mwepu to be that person. I don't know. I, I mean, he clearly knows where the goal is, uh, even when he arguably shouldn't have any right to. Uh, whether that's the answer and he's just that injury put him off a little bit, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that's something they really need to work on. I, I, it's, it's also it's, it's a little bit of a challenge also though to to see where that type of player fits in the team because it goes back to yeah can Mwepo do put the put the ball on the back of the net yeah we've seen that or that will be it maybe across against Liverpool um, and in some of the I'm thinking way back now to some of the the friendlies at the start of the season where he he put a few goals in. <laughs> It, it, but he doesn't have again. He doesn't have those ball control qualities uh, that that we've got with some of the other players. And there's not like a, we don't have a central attacking midfield role tradi- in a traditional sense in this team. Especially depending on the tactics we play, because we've got Mope sat there. We'll have Trossard out the side and so on and so forth. And maybe we've got some one of these players that's that's playing a little bit further up. But like we that Craig said before, there's a lot of interchange that goes on there. Potter really needs his players to be able to play these multiple roles, which is why we've got these guys that can come in and switch over and march, can go left and right. So it's hard to then bring in a McAllister or a I don't know. I'm trying to think of a, a midfielder that can score from outside the box, Ruben Neves or something like that if they don't have those other qualities to them. Um, Mikey's point in the chat about only Chelsea and Liverpool have lost fewer games than us uh, is testament to the way we play. In, in the middle of the second half, we had 70% possession away to West Ham, who are currently, what, prior to this game, what were they, fourth or fifth? Yeah, um, yeah. they were fourth. I'm not sure whether Arsenal have knocked them off of it now, uh, but they were... Oh, they played tomorrow. So if Arsenal can beat Manchester United, uh, they will go above them. Yeah, as much as I'd give credit to our defence, it's a style of play that means that we get get into these positions. Um, but either way, great for us. Yeah, and and that's seven draws in ten. You, we we can you can spin it any way you want, and we can play devil's advocate against not winning in nine or not losing in seven or eight out of those ten games. But you know. To, to Mikey's point again, it is why we draw a lot. We have a very stellar defense, but we it's the system that we play that doesn't allow us to be as free-flowing as maybe we can be because we need a specific type of player that can play in multiple roles, which is how Potter likes to play. So adding your Todd Cantwells or adding your those sort of players into that attacking mid isn't going to do the two or three roles that Potter's going to ask him to do. And it's very difficult to grab those players. Um, And when you're talking about those players, your Gundogan's and your Bernardo Silvers that that can do that, the premium is off the charts. And and that's why they're as good as they are, because they can do multiple things whilst being stellar at goal scoring. And it may be that we just haven't found the right 
attacking midfielder yet and that's why yeah. we go for yeah and that's why we go down the route of let's buy your seamers let's buy your McAllisters, let's buy the the 21 22 year olds to try and see if they are going to turn into one of those um so that you know we, we can get one of those eventually without going over the odds or, or paying extreme amounts of money that we know we're not going to do it there's there's obviously a trust that potter puts in these midfielders to do the job that they're asked to be done if they did those jobs as well as we had hoped them to be, they wouldn't be here. And I think we, yeah. we say that over and over again. But it's true that we we don't we have world class players at this club, absolutely. But you're asking for a goal scoring midfielder that can also defend, that can also pivot, that can also be a leader. Incredibly rare. Well, we said this last week, right? We we think collectively that we've probably got four. Let's let's use world class players at the club. Between there, maybe some of them are a little bit more early in their career, but between Lamptey, Kukurea, uh, Trossard, and Basuma, we're Brighton and Hove Albion. I know there's a lot of talk about history and all this kind of stuff, but four world class players. Like if you get more than that, you're suddenly talking about it's quite a different prospect, isn't it? Like oh, now we've got six world class players. Well, suddenly the expectations have shifted wildly for what you can obtain. Or you're then worrying about two, three of them leaving each transfer window. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like, I was saying to somebody else at halftime today, like, this is comfortably some of the best football I've ever seen Albion play. Yeah. Like, ever. But it's also some of the most frustrating because you know we should be that little bit better. And if we are, we're sat where West Ham are because they didn't look like a top four side today. We looked like the team that should be in the top four. That's, that's that's what it looks like, and that's surreal, isn't it? To even think about or say, yeah, we we do that a lot. And the difference, though, is that is the clinical edge. West Ham counter or get a corner, and they score. And, and again, a... going back to that today, we are still prime. Last year's Brighton, we are we are really starting to transition back with with the results and, and the stats, because like you said, we, we just dominated possession for fun today. All of the stats are on our side. Uh, and West Ham, uh, 0.96 XG, Brighton of Albion, 1.33. So it's like the Scooby-Doo meme where they take the mask off and then it's like Brighton and Hove Albion 2021 season underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it it's frustrating. Um, <laughs> With the, the good news, though, I know we're still talking about the game, but in relation to that, Potter came out yesterday in the pre-match and said he expects Alzate and Will back, back at training uh, in the next few weeks too, next couple of weeks, I think was what he said. So if we go back to the goal-scoring piece and then we, we go back to what we said about players being able to play in multiple positions, Stephen Alzate represents that really well. Uh, Danny Welbeck, yeah, he's not your 20-goal a season, but Danny Welbeck did for a goal, and that's all we can ask for at the moment. Uh, Alzate it feels like he's had a bit of a nightmare a couple of years yeah. um, I, the mental strength I hope I hope continues to be there for him because he's really been through it um, let's talk players specifically uh, for the game today um, Sanchez scared me uh, a few <laughs> times today I'm not I'm not sure why he stopped trying to claim set pieces um, because towards the end of the game he started doing it and looked fine. I mean, he just looked like normal Sanchez, which was 
he's not afraid to punch it as hard as he can and see what happens. Josh, what's normal Sanchez though? Because I feel like now we say more often we're worried about Sanchez. It's more his distribution that's been worrying me lately. And he Mm. did it again today when he had that ball in like the, like randomly, like just about in our half almost and, and just like sprayed it straight to them. And they almost, you know, if they had to put it on target, that's in, um, his shot stopping, I've never really been worried about. No. And his set pieces, generally, I've been pretty confident about because he d- he does come out and try and claim most of them. Um, this last couple of games, that's not been the case, though. He's been sitting back a little further. and I, I don't know whether that's trained into him. I don't know whether that's what he's been asked to do. <sighs> He's. I, I, it was last game, right, where we all collectively said Sanchez didn't do anything wrong, didn't make us nervous, and then he comes into this game and has an absolute disaster. Forty-five minutes, um, and as we said at the start of the pod, towards the end of the the, the ninety-six or whatever we had, he pulled off an incredible save to Mikel Antonio Heda, an incredible save after a move that, and I'll just say this really quickly: Declan Rice, a hell of a player. Stating the obvious here, but wow, he's he's gonna as an England fan, that makes me feel good. Uh, not when we play West Ham twice a year. Um, but he pulled off a couple of really good, uh, really good saves. And if we go back to talking about players, I will say another really good thing about Lamptey. He showed such maturity at the end of that game where he got the ball and he just danced around and kept possession for ages. Um, how old is he? What is he? I forget what teenage year he is. Didn't he then uh, also win a free kick? And like, then he won a free kick immediately. Like it was yeah. prime Glenn Murray stuff, except really small. <laughs> you normally expect, you normally expect sort of some boneheaded move there when a young player gets the ball at 21 years of age uh, and, and runs up the pitch, gets excited, tries to go around someone, loses it. And they just then come back on it. But he is, he's just a superstar. So good, isn't he? Just, uh, oh, is he 20? I think it is now. 20, 21. He turned 21 at the end of September. Oh, he's getting on a bit then. Yeah, uh, born in but... 2000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't even the youngest on the pitch with, with Sarmiento either. You know, and we, we we speak about this a fair bit and in, in how young this squad is as well. But again, like you said, they've, not only does he seem level-headed, but he also, he gets it. Um, he just understands what needs to be done. Um, and obviously being five foot three, his center of gravity is so low that he makes some six footers just look silly with the amount of strength that he can actually achieve. Uh, and I think Josh said a, a while ago, it looks like he's even bulked up compared to last season too. Um, and, and putting on a little bit more mass, but uh, yeah. I love watching him play. I'm so happy he's he's at Brighton and we get to watch him week in, week out. And that's definitely a uh, a Potter ethic thing um, because there were players that had some time out injured under Hutton and it didn't happen then. So when they get hurt under Potter's regime, they are asked to get on the biceps and triceps all day because those boys, like when Trossard came back from that like month off, I swear to God, it looked like he'd had some kind of super soldier serum. <laughs> I saw like, the Lego he's been, he was building while he was out. <laughs> <laughs> mind, mind training, brain yeah. games, whatever it used to be on the Nintendos. <laughs> um, Adam Lallana, I thought played well today. Uh, Trossard, I thought was quite quiet. 
compared to usual. I feel like I've been singing his praises a lot. Um, one player I do want to point out, though, uh, on the Declan Rice thing, because I thought he played really well. Uh, and actually, just to say, I did think he played really well. But how well did we make Mikhail Antonio and Ben Rama look like nothing today? I forgot that Ben Rama was playing until he took that shot like towards the end that went, went uh, wayward. And I did, I did want to mention Basuma at some point as well. That's what I was in, about in to say. Yeah. So integral in making them just anonymous to this entire game. But yeah, go on. No, that was exactly where I was going. That's exactly where I was going. I was going to say, speaking of Declan Rice, like how how anonymous did we make them look? And it was all because of Basuma. He didn't he didn't do a bunch of shooting out of the into Rose Z today. He didn't do anything crazy. He didn't get any bad booking or anything like that that he can sometimes do where he just gets excited and wipes someone out. He was back to best today. There was, I mean, even that first opportunity that Mope had was him. Um, there was a point in the second half, uh, and I think it was on the lead up to the goal that uh, that that the commentator said it looks like Basuma wants to go through all through all the phases of play himself right here, and just walked up the field uh, that I think ended up leading to that passage of play where we ended up getting the goal. I thought he was superb. He was really good, and I will say. I'm not sure who it was last week, but it might have been definitely me who said, I don't want to regret this, but I think I'm not worried about Michel Antonio. Um, We do such a good job when a a, a team plays one central striker against us. Uh, We've seen it time and time again where we quell that threat. The problem comes is when we give away these fast-paced counterattacks. That's why I mentioned I'm worried about Jared Bowen and a couple of others because they'll get the ball, they'll pass it out to the flanks, and they'll just run at us. Um, so uh, just a great performance. Basuma, I mean, what else do we say about him at this point? It's still Mopez man of the match, though, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it's an interesting one. Mikey just said uh, that... He thinks every player pulled their weight today, and I'd, I'd argue that it's pretty much spot on. Uh, except for Sarmiento, could have done more. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty small impact. Uh, and the Booers. So let's talk about the Booers just real quick uh, because it has been a really slow news day, week. We've not had any sackings in managers. We've not had anything wild go on. So... The sole focus of every single shitty media outlet has been all of the Brighton fans hate Graham Potter and how ungrateful they are and how awful uh, Albion fans are as as a general group because they hate Graham Potter. Um, Never have I saw more bollocks in my life. Um, (laughs) There were people who were in the North Stand that didn't even hear the booing at the weekend. They didn't even hear it. They didn't even hear it in the North. Um... So to me, it was just one of the biggest non-events that I've seen in a while that just really exposed like that 24-7 news cycle that everything has to be in these days and sports no different. Um, It was just the biggest non-story I've seen in ages, way overblown. Um, And apparently there was some West Ham booers today, uh, which is quite interesting. So I wonder if it will see any conversations about that but well their fran- their fans were rightfully frustrated by the fact that we <coughs> strolled into uh northeast london and basically just 
controlled the ball for a good 70% of the game. That's not fun when you're a home fan. But It's just because the cameras picked it up and Josh is right. Something always has to be up. Something needs to, to go and it was it was easy for media outlets to blow it out of proportion just because the cameras caught it up. I think the 99%, I don't want to spend too much time on this because it doesn't really need the time of day, but you know, because the cameras picked it up, it suddenly it's an easy target for an, a nice team like Brighton who plays great football. Uh, it's just an easy target for, for those that don't actually watch us. I, with, I, I completely agree with both of you. Every, every tiny little minority that misbehaves ends up getting all of the news, uh, coming out and it, it, it's a mountain is made out of a molehill. Potter didn't help it because it's more his reaction that was out of character. I think after a very frustrating game uh, that, that, that helped the news cycle go on a little bit longer than it otherwise perhaps should have. If he was in that press conference and said, I didn't really hear the booing. I don't understand it. Even if there was no one would have said anything, but you know, he's human. I'll probably have done the same thing. Yeah. And I think that, exposed Potter a little bit in terms of just how much he really does care for his players. Uh, he mostly spoke out about that more than anything. He said he was happy to be booed. He said, he don't care, boo me. Just don't. I mean, I remember him saying at one point, it was like, that was Sarmiento's first appearance. That's not a good environment for him. Um, and to me, that just exposes that like, it's actually like, like we said a couple, with Hunemeyer, like that's actually just who Potter really is. Like he really does. Like even when he's pissed off, like it's due to the same reasons of him being just a thoroughly good man, um, which I think is great. If anything, yeah. Um, I want I want to ask one quick thing because you mentioned there's no firings and whatnot, but there has been the, the Ralph Ranyak at Man U. I want to bring Ralph up because he and I are both Sussex Uni alums. Um, <laughs> So, yes, he was. so Ralph Franya went to spent a year at, at Sussex. Um, but there's also been a rumor this week about uh, Man U being interested in Lamptey. Probably crap, but I'm just wondering whether there's anything that we need to pay attention to as we, you know, we've got one month left in this year before all of the chaotic rumors start to build up over the course of the next few weeks. I think it's too soon. I think it would just be paper talk. He's only just come back from injury and it was a really severe one, full on hamstring surgery. I don't think any team in their right mind, even a team as stupid as United are going to risk spending that much money on him, despite how good he is. And we all see how good he is. Um, and Mikey, I see that in the chat and I want to, I was going to bring that up afterwards. So that once we get done with Lampsy, we'll bring that up. Um, yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't think anyone with any sense of normalcy will, will risk spending too much money on Tarek in January. Um, summertime, if he stays fit and continues doing what he's doing, uh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. really worried at that point. Um, he's uh, better than Wamba Saka, though. <laughs> I, mean... I mean, he clearly is. But I think I think I think we're going to be lucky enough that the fact that he's just come back from the injury is going to be enough. Might have saved it. Yeah. 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 There's also an interim manager as well. Uh, 
with that in mind, you, all of these transfer outlets are going to go nuts about who they're going to buy in January and bits and pieces. But ultimately, an interim manager in charge, do you want to go? And also, are you going to are you going to outright replace Wan Bissaka or Alex Tellers? Um, are you going to get ninety minutes every game for Man United? Probably not. Even if even if Lamptey was ready, uh, and even if he was swayed by the potential of, of playing for United, for whatever reason, um, you would still you would still doubt your game time there. Um, I'm not concerned about January, but same same to Josh. If he continues at this rate and he keeps impressing and continues to improve at the rate he's doing, some is a a bad one for us. I think the only thing I'll say about Ranić is he is destined to become some form of sporting director or whatnot, because that's what he's been doing for the Red Bull teams. Um, so if anyone has a say in transfers at Man United, Ranić will be involved, even as interim right now, especially with the weirdness going on with Wood, Wood going out, the other guy coming in, and who knows what they're doing at United. But yeah, Mikey's bit about Trossard going to Barcelona. Don't worry about that. Barcelona have no money. Uh, Ferran Torres has already come out and said, "I really want to go to Barcelona." Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna buy Ferran Torres. Barcelona are skin. There's there's nothing there. That that was going to be my response to. Uh, I think we don't realize just how poor they are. Um, they've just lost Aguero, possibly forever. Yeah, it's forever. Uh, yeah, he's done. And they spent a lot of money on him, and he's gone. Like poor fella. Obviously, I I, I mean, I won't wish it on anyone. Um, but he's also like a bajillionaire, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be too worried about whichever island he's on week to week. Um, but they are, you know, when you look at Barcelona's team now, like it's poor. Like it's not. Oh, behave! It's, it's not poor. I mean, it, it, it's it's not quite the same as it was. Their young players are between like Pedri and Gavi and Frankie De Jong and 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 some of the players they got. It's not it's not a complete dominating Europe side. Just watch out for them in a few years, though. They're not the uh, Barcelona of old. They're not really. the Barcelona of old, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a rebuild. It's a rebuild. I'm not worried about Trossard going there. Not no, not a worry at all. Um, and and like you said, if they're going to be getting Ferran Torres in, they can't afford both. They really can't. However ridiculous that is, um, they're not going to be able to afford both of them. And when you're having to pick between Ferran Torres, has already come out saying, "Yeah, I want to go." Or Trossard, who's not said anything, although I'm sure he would want to go. Uh, he's like he's not an idiot. Would you? Why would you not want to? Um, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not concerned at all. And and I, I would love to know how much Tony would ask for him. How much do you think for Leandro? Yeah. How many years he got left on his contract right now? That's a great question. Not it's sure. Just, I think it's 2023. He's 26 as well. So he's just starting to hit that prime-ish. I think he's got a year and a half left on his on his contract. Let's have a look here while we're talking. Um, but how much would he try and sell him for? Uh, yeah, contract expires June 2023. Uh, it it strikes me as a, a sort of you are you try and get 50 for him. That kind of player uh, is starting to become a little bit more established in in international football impressive whenever you watch him not a finished product um would he work really well in spanish football probably he's got a nice style for it for la liga um he's not going to go for cheap he's everything that they wanted eden hazard to be and at a la liga level like he would be really good 
He's, yeah. he's eating Hazard without the bare belly at this point. <laughs> By La Liga standards, obviously, I'm not saying he's as good as Prime. Well, look, they're both Belgian. There's some good beers over there. Uh, you can't blame Eden. <laughs> no, not at all. It's, it's still assuming there's a wire for him. I know we're going to hear about the court case in the next few days, uh, but um, he's the one with the contract coming up. He's my worry. Yes. Uh, December 6th, isn't it? Um, is the next hearing. Uh, that's the end of his next bail thing. So we'll hear on December 6th what's going on. Um, before did, that... I, sorry, go on. No, I, I, I picked up on the... So for those that had the US commentary on today, talking about Basuma going away for the Africa Cup of Nations, that's obviously nonsense because um, for anyone that did have that commentary... Clearly, he's not going. He hasn't been part of the setup for three years. So um, for those thinking that we're going to miss him for January and February, we're probably not going to. So I just wanted to make sure that that was, <laughs> that was talked about. I'm glad you did mention that, actually, because, yeah, I, I had the same thought when they said that, too. I was like, he's, he's had a massive falling out with Molly like, years ago. He's, not, he's definitely not going to go play there. Uh, I, think his old, I think his dad was involved and everything. So, uh, I think it's it's Ivory Coast or nothing for him, and I don't think they're going to let him change nationalities in that respect. So I think that's where the that's where the impasse was. Um, but just wanted to, to dispel that. I think. Um, one quick thing is we're, we're wrapping up on the transfer bit. Uh, we're going to hear more of this stuff. Like we talked earlier, we've got four really, really, really good players, and then a number of other strong players too. Um, there's going to be rumours swirling about our players going to other clubs. That's a good thing. Because if no one's talking about your players leaving, they're probably shit. <laughs> Spot on. Uh, you're not going to hear the same conversation swirling around Burnley uh, as you will us in January. And Well, their only good player is the one that's that they just signed in Cornet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he couldn't even play this weekend because of the the snow. Um, everything got snowed out, so that was an interesting one as well. Um, we are back in action uh, again Saturday uh, at ten o'clock Eastern time, nine o'clock Central, uh, three o'clock kickoff. Uh, the boys back home, uh, Southampton away. Um, they just got a two-two result at home to Leicester today, um, and from what I can gather, played pretty well. Um, Again, it was a bit of a like a bit of a makeshift Leicester side. It seems like they're going through some struggles with their depth. Um, yeah, and that's fine. Like that, I think we actually spoke about that back when we played them with their European stuff between us. We were we were talking about their lack of depth that they have. Um, but yeah, they went one 0 up and two one up, uh, but they couldn't stick it out and and ended up drawing two two. But they're not exactly excellent. They're not setting the world alight. Uh, they are sat in 15th place, um, but a win would put them right behind us uh, at the end of the game. So they would only be one point behind us if they were to win, which really shows how close the table is becoming uh, all over the place. What sort, what sort of squad are we open to see? Obviously, we don't know what the situation is with injuries, um, <clears throat> which throws all that in the air, of course, as well. Uh, but it's just a game that, you know, for me, I think this is a game we should be going in and, and, and looking for a win. I know that we should be doing that every week, but when you're going away at West Ham, you come away with a point, you're absolutely delighted. Um, at the beginning of the game, before it's even kicked off, I'd have took a point. 
for this one, if you offer me a point away at Southampton, I, I would honestly think we're, we're perfectly capable of getting more. Yeah, I think so too. Um, they've, they've been putting in solid performances, but nothing outrageous. So I, I don't see why we can't go there. Um, to Adam's point, I think we were chatting during the game and, and before this as well. We we struggle against teams that are going to sit back and let let us come at them. Uh, I don't know if that's what Southampton are going to do or whether they're going to attack us. Um, that might shape the game. Again, Webster's a big miss, I think, in how we want to play. If we're going to set up as a four, I don't know how that's going to work. So there's a lot of stuff up in the air, especially with Lalana now, presumably not. Um, that means Gross or Moepu is going to be in too. Potter likes to keep it interesting, likes to shift things around a bit. So it'll be interesting to see how he attacks this. I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned because uh, it's got nil-nil written all over it for me. <laughs> uh, they've scored the same number of goals as us this season, 13 goals. Uh, they have the exact same goals for and against as Leeds. 13 scored, 20 conceded. Um uh, Let's just hope we get a better result than against Leeds. But they're yeah. not Southampton are not a good side. They really aren't. They lost to Norwich. I mean, Leicester, who knows what they're doing at the moment. They're so weird week in, week out. They got smashed by Liverpool. We, ha- we, we have to get a win here. I keep saying we have to get a win, but we truly do at this point. It's, it's becoming ridiculous. Do you, do you see McAllister in? That's a good question. Injuries dependent, I think. I think if Lallana's good to go, probably not. But I think if we've got a couple of those players that are hurt, I think if Sarmiento and Lallana are both serious enough to miss a couple of games, yeah, I think he, this is a good game for him to play in because they don't... The reason why Southampton aren't a good team is because they have little to nothing in that midfield. Um, their front line's really decent. And their fullbacks are excellent. But other than that, centrally, they they, they bring very little to the table barring Ward Prowse. And, and I feel like I've not heard his name all year. So I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. But I may just not be keeping up with Southampton. So, well, I, I'm not. So I, I'm I don't sure I'll score some been. banger free kick against us and then suddenly it's all Ward Prowse for England. Uh, yeah. If well, Sarmiento, who knows if he's going to go, but it was a bit of a surprise start today anyway, wasn't it? I could definitely see us switching... Um, to the the old five at the back set up uh, for this game, especially if Webster's out and you've got more depth in Duffy and Byrne. Um, maybe McAllister can get in there if we're not playing advanced wide players as much and you can sit him a little bit more centrally behind Mope. Um, yeah, we'll see. It'd be nice. It'll be nice to see a little bit of a, a mix-up. I, I want to see them Wepu or McAllister come into this game. I was going to say, I think I think Wepu might get the nod, honestly. Mm. I really do. Um, but I do think there will be a change. Last thing before we come off air, uh, relegation watch. Um, because uh, currently we're not in the mire, nine points clear, which is nice. Uh, Burnley have a game in hand, but it's at Spurs, so I'm not too worried about that. Uh, but we were just talking about it this weekend, so I did want to bring it back up. Newcastle United. Uh they had two games back-to-back, Norwich and Burnley. Um, we said, we pretty much came to the agreement if if they can't get more than a point from those two, they're deep shit. Uh, whether they can get out of it after that or not, really bad times. Uh, they got one point so far. 
uh, at home to Norwich, which should have been the banker, uh, really. Um, and they finish with 10 men. They have Burnley next. They're in, they're in for a bad time after that. It's going to be a rough December run. Um, how yeah. how many players do you think they need to sign in January if they if they go on the trajectory they're at? No team has ever played 14 games and won none and stayed up. I think there's been three before this. Sheffield United last year was one of them. How how many signings they need to make to to have a chance of clawing back all of those points, do you think? Ten? Two. <laughs> yeah, too too many. Uh, and and then the question arises who's actually gonna who's gonna take that leap? Who's gonna move to Newcastle when you have seven points from fourteen games? So it's you know, what caliber of player are you trying to bring in, even if it is ten or twenty or whatever they whatever they want? Who who's actually gonna make that plunge? Yeah, I I think they're in real trouble. And the higher the caliber and the more you spend the less care they're going to have, I feel. It's going to be one of those ones where you're going to be... Uh, do you remember when we brought in Robbie Savage on loan and he basically just walked around <laughs> the midfield and we were in a relegation battle and he was supposed to be that touch of class and he just wandered around the midfield? That's how it feels. You're going to have... Aaron Ramsey is one of the names they're talking about. If they're paying him just outrageous money to come in, I feel like he's just going to be like, Easy payday, boys. I'm not, not that worried about it. He's been honest. doing that for quite a while in Italy right now. Exactly. Um, <laughs> if, he can do it, if he can do it in Syria without a worry, you don't think he's going to give a shit about going up to the northeast? Yeah, Alex. So my, my town has this horn that goes off. So if you're hearing that, that's the town has a horn. Um, yeah, every player would have a relegation clause. Yeah, there'll be. I, my hot take is I don't think Newcastle go down. Um, I they're two wins away from being out of the relegation zone and Watford play uh, Man City next game and they've lost four out of the last five. Um, I think I think Burnley have finally run out of gas and they're, they're going to be done. I think Norwich go down. I think Watford go down with them. Uh, I think Newcastle will sign a couple of players. Howe will get their shit together and they stay up. And you can laugh at me in a few months. So the only reason I'm 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 almost writing off the entirety of the rest of the year for Newcastle, um, and I I can't see them getting more than a point or two. I know the Premier League's mental, but they've got Burnley next, where I think they should be picking up points. They should be picking up a win if they want to be staying up genuinely. But after that, they've got Leicester away. I know they're an odd team, but Leicester away, Liverpool away, Manchester City at home. Manchester United at home, and then Everton away. Like that's really tough. That's a really tough stretch. If you're looking at that stretch as as us, you're thinking like, just do your best. There's a couple of free hits in there, even. I well, I'll I'll lob a cliche out. Uh, football is not played on paper. <laughs> uh, it's I uh, trust me. They'll throw in a surprise. They'll beat a team they have no right beating, and suddenly the tide will turn a little bit. Um, yeah, Some, something will happen, for, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but I can tell you what won't happen. Watford ain't beaten Man City, so they've lost five games out of six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watford are not not doing too great. Uh, Claudio, Claudio may be on the edge. 
Hey, they can go down and we'll take Dennis off them or Saar or both. That'd be I, nice. I was honestly going to bring up Saar this weekend because he was on that list of players where I, I was saying they're the type of player you need to be getting in. And teams like Watford can do it. And we're at that level, if not higher, um, in terms of just about everything in terms of the club. And they spent a lot of money on him, like stupid amounts of money on him. But he's almost the sole reason they're back in the Premier League. And he's almost going to be the sole reason they stay in it. So, I mean, players like that have their worth if they're if they're going to be able to do that for you. We're not going to be going in for him. I know we won't. He, he's going to be getting those top six proper looking at him uh, or even abroad. But that's the sort of players that I, if we're spending 35 million on him, I don't mind. I think it's worth punting on him. We'll see, I suppose. Again, we, we laughed at the... Uh, I can't believe I bring him up every episode. I hate myself for it. Darwin Nunez at the weekend against... How many How many players did that poor other team field? Seven? Two goalkeepers in the squad? I think they yeah. started with nine. Nine but players. To, to be fair to them. Two of them um, keepers, though. Yeah. And Nuts. what was it? They, uh, Craig, was it half-time it was, where... It was, they just, I think it was seven nil at half time, and then the first minute of the second half, the goalkeeper goes down with an injury and gets the game suspended. Yes, and so, apparently he didn't even go down with injury; he just sat down and just looked they, at the ref and went and refused to play. Liga nos, everyone. Fantastic, and 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 the last thing that I want to laugh at just very quickly is when that that Burnley Spurs game got cancelled, uh, postponed. Was it the snow or whatever? Yeah. There was, you see that tweet, the guy that like came over from Dallas, uh, some Spurs fan, fan, flew out from the US, flew into London, went all the way to Burnley, uh, and the game ended up getting postponed. Like, imagine, I think he took his wife with him as well, like, poor woman. Um, and then game got cancelled. Harry Kane got wind of this and said, I'll, I'll host you uh, at, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium at some point for a game you'll trust that you can be my guest. But then everyone found out all this tweets this guy had thrown out a few weeks back saying, we're such a better side without Harry Kane. He needs to get out of the club. <laughs> so everyone's trying to send all this stuff to Harry Kane. So he uninvites him. It's just ridiculous. Uh, I did not catch wind of any of that. That is wonderful. Yeah, I have to look it up. Amazing. Uh, all right. Well, we've actually managed to crank out an hour and 10 minutes of this midweek. So uh, we will let you all get back to your regular uh, schedule. Uh, this will be dropping tomorrow, which will be Thursday, December 2nd. And then we'll be cracking on and getting another one in two days time uh, with Southampton away. So uh, have a good rest of your week. You're nearly done. Uh, hump day is is just about finished with. So, so enjoy the rest of your week, boys. Awesome. Cheers, Cheers boys. all. Thanks for listening, everyone.